0: Hey, everyone. Today, I'm sharing a clip from the Andreessen Horowitz podcast from both Mark Andreessen and Ben Horowitz, which is them talking about rare knowledge, basically the secrets that you believe that no one else does, as well as how to develop a view of the future, which is important, obviously, for VCs, but I think generally important as well.
1: How much rare knowledge is there in the world in your experience? Or concretely, how often does it happen that there are less than 10 people you can think of that know about, or can do something, and you'd be skeptical you can find anybody else that can. And then uh, Hugh No asks, how can I develop a view for the future? Uh, which I think is a, is actually a very related question. So
2: way more than you would think. <laughs> There's a lot of rare knowledge. And Mark and I like experience this in our jobs every single day. There's just – the world is really dynamic now. In fact, it's probably never been more dynamic, I think, by any measure – And so what we see all the time is the old conventional wisdom just ceases to be true. And we've seen this, you know, one of our favorite examples is just uh, all the dot bombs um, that everybody made hysterical fun of during the early 2000s, all the idiotic, ridiculous, stupid ideas that people had for the future, which were just so obviously stupid, all eventually worked. And and it was a matter of the underpinnings of the internet and other things changing to the point where those really bad ideas, pets.com or you know, diapers.com or any of these kinds of things, they all worked fantastically later as the world changed. And that all was super rare knowledge because the conventional knowledge was, of course, those things are all the stupidest things ever and you'd have to be some kind of moron to leave your high-paying consulting job to do that. But we continually see this. And in the firm, we even have kind of a rule, which is if you know too much about something, yep. you got to back off. <laughs> because you know what, particularly if historically, what did not work, that can be dangerous knowledge in our business because you can miss it the next time when it actually does work. And we just see it all the time. One of the favorite investments that I've made was it was common knowledge. And Silicon Valley, that Hadoop had one big data, like architecturally, like that was the thing. It had one open source. It had hearts and minds, blah, blah, blah. It was going to be the thing. And I think probably the best and for sure one of the best investments I ever made was that wasn't true. And so it's just like a small piece of rare investing knowledge, but a big piece of rare knowledge for the entrepreneurs who invented Spark and then later turned that into Databricks.
1: Yeah, Ben, do you remember, so for, we invested in a company called Masira early on in the life of the firm, like 2009, yeah. 2010. And do, Ben, do you remember the, we shouldn't name him, but we had a meeting with a, a I believe the CTO of one of the really big networking companies at the time, in diligence. Yeah, they were, yeah and call he, what he, he said.
2: literally said it was against the laws of physics and it was right. impossible. They had already like studied at length yeah. this very large Important networking company, and you could not have a central control plane in the way that Nasir proposed to do And of course, now Nasir inside of VMware is like a $2 billion a year revenue company.
1: Yep, yeah, yeah. And then, of course, uh, a classic instance on the consumer side, of course, is that everybody knew right up until 2004 that consumers would never put their real identities online. That was the one thing that would <laughs> yeah, never happen. Never. And then, of course, F- Facebook like completely blew that open. So the twist that I want, there's a couple of twists that I wanted to put on this or aspects of this very important question that I wanted to get. A little deeper into for those of you who like think about these things, you will have some of you will have at least read you know Peter Thiel's kind of famous book, Zero to One. He talks a lot in that book about what he calls the secret, which is this idea of the rare knowledge that other people don't use. And then he has this famous question that he asks. He kind of has dinner parties where he asks this question of what what is the thing that nobody else knows? Or he asks a there's a sort of a related version of the question, which is what do you believe that nobody else believes? And of course, what's interesting is those are not necessarily the same thing. And then on top of that, there's this question of, okay, is the rare knowledge something that is actually not known? Like it's actually a piece of information that's like invisible. And so, for example, rare knowledge, let's take a hypothetical case, rare knowledge of a chemical formula. That has been invented in a lab, and only the people who worked in that lab know that formula exists, and only they know what the formula is. Right. <laughs> or maybe the formula for KFC yeah. seasoning might be, might be, might yeah. be, example, right? <laughs> right, exactly. Something that's like formulas literally locked in. <laughs> vaults, 11 right? herbs and spices, but okay. we do not know what they are. We do not know which one. So there's literally the rare knowledge is in the knowledge, literally, like you can't get to it. And then there's this other kind of rare knowledge, which goes to the second version of Peter's question of what do you believe that nobody else believes or few the people believe. Which is like the rare knowledge of something that is actually like a fact that is actually completely like basically in in public view. It's like a thing that anybody can walk up to or learn about or read about or read on the internet about or read an academic paper about or whatever it is. But it's just people just simply don't believe it. Like they just don't buy it. Like they're not having it. But they just they, they found some reason to rule it out. By the way, they're often ridiculing it. And so Ben, the the, the question I always think about on this is like. How many of the secrets, right, or how much of the rare knowledge in the world, how much of it is literally the 11 herbs and spices that you can't go find out versus how much of it is the thing that's there in plain sight that everybody's just making fun of?
2: Yeah, the plain sight definitely seems much bigger. At least in, in our work, we see many more of the plain sight ones. One of my favorites was Airbnb, which had a kind of thing that was a little bit of a secret formula and then just discovered there was a lot more demand for renting your mattress as they started out than one would have thought, and particularly if there was a big design conference in San Francisco. But the other one that was really in plain sight was what was the history of hotels? And anybody could have known the history of hotels. Like, when did hotels start? They started a hundred years, but nobody really knew that. Who knows that? Nobody knows that. But they studied that after they found it out. And like, why did hotels come about? Why weren't they around before? And it turned out that there were before that there were inns and bed and breakfasts, but quality would vary a lot, and you couldn't really create a brand. There was no national media. There, were there, the way there was at the turn of the the previous century, and so that that national media enabled you to create a national brand and build this kind of common known quantity quality nationwide. But of course, once you knew that, you'd go, oh, now we have the internet, so we don't need a brand. We can just rate every room, every like bedroom, every house, every tree house, every everything. So everybody knows the quality of anything that they're staying in, and then all of a sudden you've got this
1: amazing idea for a new kind of yeah and in fact you know <laughs> many of you think about it like the idea of airbnb was in the bible but joseph and mary they stay in the manger so that worked out pretty well for them and it's i always think back it's every every little kid at least in, the, in western cultures hears that story because it's, it's right there with christmas
2: it's universally known in western yeah. culture yeah
1: and yet it's yeah but no, when airbnb started this idea of people staying in each other's houses was just horrifying so it was like quite you know, quite literally in plain sight
2: Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. But I think that that and that's the to me, that's the exciting thing, particularly if you're a young person getting into the workforce or what have you. There are all kinds of secrets running around everywhere. And then there's this it's actually one of the great things, (laughs) one of the great things. Maybe the only great thing about this kind of mob mentality, cancel culture thing that we have going is the conventional wisdom is so aggressive now that if you go against it, you are likely the only one and then you've got an amazing invention that can change the world. It's a great time to be an entrepreneur in that sense.
1: Yeah, and then this goes to the second question where I paired the questions. The second question was, how can I develop a view for the future? And the way I think about this is there's basically two ways to develop a view for the future that flow right out of what we just talked about. So one is like, try to come up with ideas that nobody else has to so try to come <laughs> up with a unique viewpoint of like literally new ideas. And of course, <laughs> that's hard. The other much. is just right. You'd be really smart to do that. <laughs> yes. Yes. A small number of people can do that. Most mm-hmm. of us can't do that. The, the the other way to do it is quite literally believe things that other people aren't willing to believe or, or equivalently yeah. take seriously things that other people aren't willing to take. And I yeah. think that's probably the, the most underrated approach for people who really want to have an open mind and a view of the future that actually gives them an advantage.
2: Yeah, I totally agree with that, and that's true for like even small innovations, like how you organize your company or how you run a certain kind of program. If you do the opposite of what everybody in the industry is doing, you might come on across something that's much better.
1: Yeah, and then that's the other thing. Right, the other thing that happens is revisionist history, and we've got a. Actually, the next question is about history, but uh, you know,
2: that- <laughs> all history is revisionist, Mark.
1: All history is revisionist, right? Mm-hmm. Generally, what happens, like when when a new when I knew when a new idea actually wins, right? When a new idea actually yeah. takes root and becomes conventional wisdom, sort of history gets rewritten so that everybody knew it was obvious the whole time. Yeah, right, actually, right, right, interesting, right, right, yeah. both obvious and inevitable, right? And but if you were there at the time, or you actually get the true history of it, what you realize is actually that very much is not the case. The history just gets written by people who are basically covering for their own mistake. Uh, in that well, world. one of
2: the most one of the most shocking pieces of technology history on that, to me, is always the internet because everybody like talks about it. Of course, it was always going to be the internet, but um, (laughs) you recall like even after Netscape started and, and was like pretty far along and got the venture funding and you had invented the browser and all these things, Like the conventional wisdom was like, no, it's absolutely not going to be the Internet. It's going to be information superhighway and the Internet's insecure and it's a bunch of it's an academic network and there's just a bunch of weirdos on it and blah, 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 blah. And now nobody would admit to that. And my favorite part of that is Bill Gates when he wrote The Road Ahead in the first edition. He didn't even mention the Internet. He wrote a book about the future in 1995 that did not mention the Internet (laughs) Not once, yep. and then he 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 revised it, of course, and swapped the internet in everywhere where he had information superhighway. <laughs> yeah. So the ultimate yep. revisionist, like the literal revisionist history on that one.
0: Hey, it's me again. So just to recap some of the lessons learned because I took notes. Um, basically, there's a constant theme in the Andreessen camp that. Most ideas, most startup ideas are rarely wrong, wrong just early. So they raised a few examples. I think they raised four examples, which is pretty good. Pets.com, diapers.com, from the first internet rush, uh, basically became uh, legitimate startups <laughs> in in the early 2010s. And then uh, Hadoop and Databricks and Nysera, which uh, was Martin Casado's startup, which uh, they dropped a really interesting stat where they said that it actually makes $2 billion in revenue internally within VMware, which is uh, huge, huge, huge. Um, (laughs) I I did not expect that coming out of NYSERA. They also broke down rare knowledge, which is what do you believe that nobody else believes, and into two kinds. Either it's super secret, like the KFC formula, or it's hidden in plain sight, and that example was linked to Airbnb. If we study the history of hotels, you understand that hotels are actually a very recent phenomenon, and The history of travel actually shows that Airbnb was probably a good idea, it's just that nobody else took it seriously. So they link that into having new ideas about the future, there's two ways to do that, one, which is have a genuinely new idea that nobody else has ever had, but two, take seriously things that nobody else believes or takes seriously. And I think in order to do that, or in order to study history and generate ideas or develop a process for that you have to be aware of the narrative fallacy and that history gets rewritten to be both obvious and inevitable i particularly remember that i in my household had a copy of bill gates's the road ahead and he, yeah information superhighway was plastered all over that thing and no mention of the internet so i think it's a very interesting perspective on predicting the future and having novel ideas that are underappreciated